Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello there, we're looking at the book of Revelation, and it is not as difficult or scary as you may think. We looked at the first three chapters, which were messages to churches, because church is important when it looks at the end times we need people around us. We looked at chapters 4 and 5, which are a prelude showing us what heaven is like and the the beginning of opening the scroll with all this information. And then we get into the meat of it. From chapter 6 to chapters 19, John is explaining the seven years of tribulation that Daniel predicted, that Jesus predicted. And he goes about it in repeating fashion. So he speaks about seven seals being opened, and he describes what they are. And at the end of that seventh seal, it looks like the end. And then he describes seven trumpets, which we looked at last week. And at the end, the last trumpet, it seems like the end of time. And then he's going to describe the seven bowls, and then that'll be kind of the very end. But in between, he slots in a little bit of extra information. And so our first little interlude is chapters 12 to 14, which is what we're going to look at today, where he is recapping. So we've looked at the seven seals, the whole seven year period. We've looked at the seven trumpets. And now he is going to stop and recap some stuff. And then we're going to look at the bowls. Then there'll be a little bit more information and then the end of time. That's the book of Revelation. It's not that difficult to understand. Now, these seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven bowls are the calamities that happen in a seven-year period. We spoke about how Daniel the prophet predicted the seven-year period, and he was so accurate in his time scales. And there's a halfway point in the seven-year period that is very important. So look back on previous talks if you want to understand that. But we're now in an interlude where John steps back and he recaps and he looks at the big picture in Revelation chapter 12. And we're going to see there's some beautiful information, very important, helpful information. So he says in verse one, now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and on her head, a garland of 12 stars. Who is this woman? It's Israel. In Genesis chapter 39, sorry, 37, Joseph had a dream and he saw himself as one of the stars. His father and mother uh, were the sun and the moon. And so this nation of Israel is uh, the woman and he sees a great sign appeared. So it's not supposed to be literal. It's a picture of Israel. This woman with uh, clothed in the sun, the moon under her feet, on her head, a garland of 12 stars. That's the 12 tribes of Israel. He's, he's taking a step back. He's saying, let's look at the big picture. Verse 2, then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. She's going to give birth to Jesus. Verse 3, and another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and his throne. 
So she gives birth to Jesus. The devil is there trying to kill Jesus. You know, all the way through history, the devil has known a Messiah was coming because he can read the Old Testament predictions. And every time there was a chance, he would try and kill all the babies. So when Moses was born, he issued a decree that all the male children two years old and under should be killed. When Jesus was born, he used Herod to issue a decree that all the male children two years old and under would be killed. He was trying to kill the baby and all the way through Jesus' life. Hebrews 5 tells us that the devil was trying to kill him throughout his whole life. Uh, in Luke chapter 4, the devil tried to tempt Jesus away to obey the devil all the way through. He was trying to stop this plan. And we see here the picture, a great fiery red dragon. Uh, all these different pictures of seven heads and ten horns represent things. We're not exactly clear what they are. They could be um, his power. Uh, there's a whole lot of different interpretations. But the main thing is the big picture, which is the, the dragon is trying to kill the male child. He didn't succeed. The child was born to rule the whole earth, the verse here says. And so we, we're getting a picture of what's going on. Why is this helpful? Well, it shows us that God knows what's going on. He is in control and he is managing the whole process. Hallelujah. Verse six, then the woman fled into the wilderness. Now it says the word then, but there's probably a long gap here. It says, then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her 1,260 days. Why do I think there's a gap? Because whenever it mentions 1,260 days or 42 months or three and a half years or time, times and half a time, it's talking about this end seven year tribulation period. It's, it's a clear code. Daniel mentioned it. Jesus mentioned it. And now Revelation mentions this abomination that causes desolation that's in the middle of the seven years. And then it's split into two, three and a half year periods. Um, and so we know that it's talking about the woman fleeing into the wilderness for three and a half years. We're now in the second half of the tribulation period. It's jumped forward. It's given us the context and then it's jumped forward to the second half of the tribulation. And it says, and war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. Who's Michael? He is the chief archangel in heaven. And that, you know, the devil used to be an angel. He was Lucifer and Michael and Lucifer were probably very similar in power. And so it's, it's a war between angels, the devil against Michael. And the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they, the people, overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. 
Now, when the dragon had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. And then it talks about him persecuting Israel. She flees to the wilderness. She's looked after for three and a half years. And then he goes after other Christians. It says the other offspring of this woman, the others who've come to faith, um, those who uh, keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. The dragon is attacking the people. But we see that they overcome him. They have the power through God the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and loving not their lives even to death. Those are the three powerful weapons that we as Christians have now and we will have in this tribulation period to be able to overcome the attacks of the devil. Now there's a lot in here. Let me just unpack it briefly. First of all, the time scale. So we now are starting to be able to get a bit of a time scale of how everything fits together. I've, I've put together a diagram where I've shown this whole seven year period. And in the first three and a half years, we see the Antichrist, who's also called the beast, and a, a city or a, a political power called Babylon come to power. They rule for three and a half years. At the end of that three and a half years, the beast is mortally wounded, he's killed, and he somehow comes back to life. And then in the three and a half year period, halfway mark, amazing things happen. He sets up an image in the temple in Jerusalem and asks people to worship him, which is called the abomination of desolation that was spoken of by Jesus and Daniel. Uh, he starts to fight against God's people and kill them. He overthrows Babylon, this political city that has helped him. He overthrows it. Uh, he invades Jerusalem and the Jews flee to the wilderness for three and a half years. And the two witnesses, the superhero Christians that we read about last week, they start their ministry. So halfway through the seven year period, some big changes happen. Soon after that, the mark of the beast is brought in and great persecution. Many people are killed, including many Christians are martyred. And then a little bit later, the rapture happens where the church are taken up and the 144,000 Jewish people are sealed by God. We read about that in Revelation 7. And then at the end, the seventh seal brings in the seven trumpets and the seven bowls. And we start to see the very, very end of time. But that is the overview of Revelation. And we're starting to see here that he takes a step back and he gives us the big picture. Let me just mention a couple of things. Number one, it talks here about Michael and Satan fighting in verse seven. War broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. The dragon and his angels fought. They did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, called the devil and Satan. He deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Now, many people are confused by this because they say, wasn't the devil cast out of heaven right at the start when he rebelled against God? That's mentioned in Ezekiel 28 verses 14 to 16. Isn't that when Satan was cast out and he took a third of the angels with him? Yes, he was cast out then. And in fact, it mentions it in verse 4. It says his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. You remember Jesus in Luke 10 said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So Satan did fall at the beginning. He fell to earth. He drew a third of the angels with him. But then I'm just going to give you four or five points of, of Satan's highs and lows. So he starts in heaven as Lucifer with uh, Michael as an archangel. 
He rebels against God. He wants glory. He gets cast down to earth. He takes a third of the angels with him. Then he deceives Adam and Eve, who are the rightful rulers and caretakers of planet earth. He deceives them into obeying him so that he becomes the ruler of the earth. Now you say, Greg, why do you, why do you say that? Jesus called the devil the ruler of the earth or the prince of the earth three times. Uh, in Luke 4, when the devil is tempting Jesus, he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And he says, these are mine. They were given to me and I can give them to whomever I choose. Uh, he is called the ruler. So, so we know that he had this authority from Adam and Eve. So that's the next step. He went from heaven down to earth. Then he became ruler of earth. And that's why in the book of Job, he is allowed access into God's presence. Uh, in Job chapter 1, it says the, the sons of God came into God's presence and Satan came with them. And he asked for things and he had permission to do certain things on earth because he was the ruler because he'd taken it from Adam and Eve. Now, Jesus, the, the next step after this is Jesus came to take away his power. And in John 12, 31, Jesus said, now the ruler of this earth will be cast out. Colossians 2, verse 15 says that Jesus disarmed the devil and his principalities. In other words, he took away his power. In Matthew 28, after Jesus had risen again, he said, all authority has now been given to me. Therefore, you go and make disciples. So the next step in this progression, Satan was in heaven. He went down to earth. He became ruler of earth. Then he had that power taken from him. But he is still ro roaming around on earth. He's still deceiving people. 1 John 5 uh, verse 19 says that the whole world is still under the control of the evil one through deception. He doesn't have legal right, but he has managed to tempt and deceive so many people. And then we see this war break out in the seven-year tribulation period. War broke out. Michael and his angels fought, and they cast the devil out of heaven, and his angels went with him. So he still had some access to heaven. He doesn't have rights, authority, power. He doesn't have the same power he had in the Old Testament. He doesn't have the same abilities he had with Job in the book of Job because Jesus took those away. But he still has some access to heaven until this three and a half year period when he is cast down to earth and he gets angry and he starts to really fight he, he gives power to the Antichrist who's had a mortal head wound. He gives power to him to come back to life. He starts to inspire the beast and his false prophet to attack the Christians. And he is enraged, we're told, in Revelation 12. So that's the overview. Why is it doing that? It's pulling back the curtains to say, look what's happening behind all the plagues and all the, all the things that are happening. Look at the spiritual war that's going on. Why? So that we can be assured because we know we're on the winning side. Satan was only an angel. He was never as powerful as God. And God has the whole thing in view and he knows what's going on. So then the question of the beast comes up. And we've mentioned the Antichrist a little bit, but John in chapters 13 and 14 of Revelation goes into more detail about the beast. And this is something that people are very interested in. Uh, so let's have a look at this. Revelation 13 verse 1. Then I stood on the sand of the sea and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns 
and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. So he has seven heads and ten horns, exactly the same as the dragon. This is a human being, but he is inspired by the devil, and he represents the devil. Verse 2, Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard, his feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. These are the pictures that Daniel had in Daniel 7 of the various kingdoms, Babylonians, Persian, Greek, and then the Romans. Uh, he's, he's saying he has political power, much like many of the other forces of the past. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. The devil is inspiring and helping him. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world marveled and followed the beast. So just before the three and a half year period, first three and a half year period ends, the beast is mortally wounded and he somehow comes back to life and the world marvels. So they worship the dragon who gave authority to the beast and they worship the beast saying, who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for 42 months. So the second three and a half year period, he was given the permission to do what? Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. He sets up this abomination that causes desolation in the temple, asks people to worship him. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with a sword must be killed with a sword. Here is the patience and faith of the saints. God is warning us. This is coming in Thessalonians. He's described as the man of lawlessness. Uh, he's described as the prince who will rule in Daniel. Uh, Jesus spoke of antichrists. First uh, John spoke of antichrists. So there, there are these descriptions of him and we see he has limited power but he has power and especially for those second three and a half years he is given authority to attack and hurt Christians and we're going to see he institutes a number or a mark of the beast and if you don't take it then you are attacked and killed by him and we saw with the seven seals there was the martyrs and the the many many killed that's after this first three and a half year period when the beast is doing what he wants to do. But now there's a second helper, a second beast, who's just more like a spokesman for this main beast character. In verse 11, it says, Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. So he's a bit like Jesus, two horns like a lamb, but he speaks from the, the enemy, the devil. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. So he encourages people to worship the beast. He's like his priest, if you like. Verse 13, he performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which, we, which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lives. He says, let's make an, an image of him that we can worship. 
Verse 15, he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. There's supernatural power here. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. I don't know what 666 means. There is so much speculation. We will know when the time comes, but we know from this timeline that it's only after the first three and a half year period of the tribulation. After the beast has put up the abomination of desolation, after he's had a mortal head wound and come back to life again, uh, after all these terrible calamities have happened, that's when the mark of the beast begins. And if you don't take it, you can't buy or sell. And the seals that we saw of great famine, of a quarter of the earth being killed, of all the martyrs in heaven, this happens at this period of time. Are you scared? Don't be scared. Friends, God has warned us in advance. You know, in the book of Esther, the king was tricked into giving authority for his people to kill Jewish people. And Esther went in and begged the king and said, please give us the ability to fight back. He said, I can't change the rule that I've made, but I can give you authority to fight back and to overcome. God has given the beast authority for three and a half years to attack us Christians, but he's given us the ability to overcome by the blood of the lamb. Jesus' blood covers us and makes us pure. By the word of our testimony, when we speak God's word, it is powerful. And by loving not our lives, even unto death. If we are willing to do anything for Christ, even die because we go to heaven, we overcome and we win in the end. God is the victor. Hallelujah. And then chapter 14, the last chapter in this little interlude, he says, Then I looked and behold a lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven, like the voice of many waters, like the voice of loud thunder. And I heard the sound of harpists playing their harps. They sang, as it were, a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders. And no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. These are the ones who are not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. These were redeemed from among men, being firstfruits to God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no deceit, for they are without fault before the throne of God. We've already seen this 144,000 in Revelation 7. They are from the 12 tribes of Israel. They are Jewish men, and He seals them. He protects them. They cannot be uh, tempted or or pulled aside. And it's at the same time when the Christians go back to heaven at the rapture, this 144,000 are sealed and they're standing with Jesus there uh, on Mount Zion. So there's some big calamitous events right towards the end. And at this time, there are three angels that are flying through the air and they're making three pronouncements. Verse six, he says, then I saw an an another angel flying in the midst of heaven having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God, give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come, and worship Him who made heaven and earth, the sea, and springs of water. So an angel starts proclaiming the gospel to every nation, tribe, and tongue to bring in the last full number of the Gentiles before all Israel gets saved. 
the, the final, final Gentiles who are going to get saved, this angel is proclaiming. Up until then, it's humans who proclaim the gospel. But here, just to make sure every last person who wants to get saved, gets saved, an angel starts proclaiming the gospel. Fear God, worship him. And then a second angel, verse 8, another angel followed, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she has made all the nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. This is Babylon, the great political power. We're going to see more about it in future chapters. But an angel says it's fallen. And then the last angel, listen to what he's saying. Third angel followed, verse 9, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast in his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. Just to make sure Christians don't receive the mark, an angel starts flying through the air telling everyone, don't take the mark. Friends, you're not going to be tricked into receiving the mark of the beast. We've seen foreshadowings of it now. But it hasn't come yet and you won't be tricked because God cares and it's such a big deal that he'll make sure that you know about it, even to the point of sending an angel flying through the air to tell everybody about it. And then right at the end, the last part of chapter 14 speaks about a huge war where Jesus is reaping and judging people and there's huge war, Armageddon. Uh, there's just fighting and so much bloodshed. It speaks about um, blood going for miles and miles and miles and the horses riding and the blood spattering up even up to their bridles. And there is great calamity at the end, but we're right at the end of time. This is a, a little interlude. He stepped back and he says, I'm going to show you from a different angle what's happening. What do we do as Christians? We say, thank you, God. We get ourselves ready. Do you remember in Jesus's words in Matthew 24, he says, this is what's going to happen. Don't be troubled. I'm with you. But then he tells the parable of the five foolish virgins and the five wise virgins. He says, keep your oil full in your lamp. Keep yourself full of God's spirit and keep your relationship with God strong so that when these things come, you are ready. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you came and died for me. I believe you're coming back again to rule and to reign. I believe you control history and all of, all of the universe. And Lord, I want to give my life to you. I ask you to forgive me for my sins and wash me clean and make me new. And I want to be full of your oil and serving you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.